Welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. I created this podcast because I understand that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience on a journey to learn more, discover a deeper, more meaningful purpose in our lives, our why. I will be interviewing some of the most accomplished individuals in the world that have achieved a high level of success and have learned how to maintain it. I will also be sharing my stories and insight as part of my more than 10-year relationship with a monastery as a former NFL running back, thought leader, and author. And so now, let's elevate together. What's up, everybody? This is Prince Daniels Jr. And welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. My next guest, she is incredible, needless to say. Look, if I sit here and read her whole bio, we would be here for a long time. This would be a very long introduction, but I'm going to make it short and sweet and just tell you about this individual that's very unique. Dr. Jen Welter is the NFL's first female coach. She is the founder of Gridiron Girls. She's a speaker. She's the first female coach in Madden, first female running back in men's professional football. She's an author. And she was honored by former President Barack Obama. He quoted her as well, saying that she is also a pioneer and a role model for the young and up and coming females. She's very empowering. She's very uplifting. And she is driven by the belief that greatness is a choice you make over and over again. And when you choose personal greatness, big or small, it becomes a part of who you are. Who? Look, without further ado, I have to bring her on. My good friend, Coach Dr. Jen Welter. How you doing, Doc? I'm so good, Prince. It is a pleasure to join you here today. I feel like, you know, it's a family affair. So um, it is my pleasure to join you. Thanks for having me. Oh no, you're welcome. I'm I'm so happy that you took out time to to be on my podcast. So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm amped up. I'm juiced, you know, because I feel like it's, we're about to play a game. Got my coach here, you know. You coach the running backs, and and now I'm getting ready. Like coach, I see it. I see the holes. I see the touchdown all day long. The pot lines. There they go, right there. So I'm ready. What's good, you know? And you telling me hit those holes, hit those holes like you're supposed to. Read that lineman, you know, understand that your linemen, um, they're there for you. You know, they get in the trenches, but you, you got to find those holes within that, within that, that push and that grind. Um, and so, you know, that's how I'm feeling today. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, Coach, I want to jump off by, start this conversation off by just saying, acknowledging uh, the Washington football team hiring uh, Jennifer King, you know, the first female uh, assistant coach for uh, the first black female assistant coach for the running backs um, in Washington. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, Jen King, you know, she's, she's a standout and she was, she played women's football and then I believe was coaching basketball um, prior to coaching football. So she had a coaching background already and then, you know, has just really chased her dream to coach in the national football league hooked up with Ron Rivera when he was in Carolina um, and has worked her way up yeah. and obviously earned the respect of everybody in Washington. It's great to see. Um, I had an opportunity to coach with uh, 
Coach King when we were both in the Alliance of American Football. And, you know, it's just, it's so wonderful to see women really having opportunities to pursue their love of football like guys would, right? Like it, it really is that love of the game. And you know, as well as I do, those trenches are not kind. Coaching mm-hmm. days are as long as they come. And so to see her really continue to step up to every challenge the game has put her in in her way and to do a great job so happy for her, so happy for the Washington football team. And cheers to Coach Rivera for being committed to diversity in the coaching ranks. Oh, that is so amazing. You mentioned something about stepping up to challenges and facing adversity. Now, let's not overlook you or glaze over all of your accolades and all the things that you've accomplished. You know, how does it feel to be the first person paving the way for all of these other female athletes, because you were the first female that was in the NFL, first female coach that was in the NFL and on Madden, you know? So how does that feel uh, being able to pave the way? And what was it like? Well, you know, for me, I like, I love football and was committed to it, obviously played 14 years, women's pro football, then a season with the guys. And it was the respect I earned from playing out on the field with the guys that opened the opportunity to coaching in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Wendell Davis, former Dallas Cowboy, it, what I love about him and, and he gave me the opportunity in indoor before I coached in the NFL was he was like, this is special, right? Like the way those guys respond to you, the way they listen, like you've got to coach my football team. And it was me who said, well, you know, girls don't do that. Like coach football. I can't teach this. This is special. And so he really wouldn't not take the opportunity. He actually took the opportunity on my behalf and told me about it later. Um, and I think back to that moment so many times because, you know, he saw something in me before I even saw it in myself mm. because there was no one who looked like me who was in that position that I could say, you know what, I'm going to do what she's doing, or I think I could do that too. And so, Every time we put somebody in those positions where we have representation, it gives permission to somebody else to dream on it, right? Like in the, in the National Football League, I mean, that experience was magic to me. People would say, you know, first of all, they'd say you were living the dream. And I would say, no, this is a dream I wasn't permitted to have. Mm. But the beauty of this is that now any other girl can grow up dreaming football, which means she can go earlier, she can work harder, she can do all the things that will put her in a position to be successful. Because that's why we need to see it. That's why it's so important. And so to have gone into Arizona, you know, it's interesting because the the narrative isn't your own. Right. When you are the first first, nobody mm-hmm. was saying, you know, could Jen Welter do this? I didn't even know who Jen Welter was. Right. Sure. Like that was not the question. The question was, could a woman, mm-hmm. the example being Jen Welter, but it was a sample size of one at that point. Right. right. Like, right. Could a woman coach in the National Football League? Mm. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. It's really important to, when you're in that situation, realize the narrative isn't your own. 
Yeah. It is much bigger than me. It's about all of the women who have sacrificed in football for a long time. It's about all of the women who, you know, just like I did, played for a dollar a game and, you know, worked hard to have opportunities to even find our way to the field wow. because we had such a passion and love for the game, right? And to know that I was there as a representative of all of those women and what we all went through. That's what's important, right? And to make sure that you are the first and not the last. We've heard it said a bunch of times now, you know, you heard Kamala say it recently. And I always said my opportunity and responsibility as the first was to ensure I wasn't the last, meaning that I did nothing in that opportunity or we did nothing in that situation to say, this is why it can't work. Right. Mm. We, we, are, we are here to open hearts and open minds and hopefully um, get other people permission to think that same way and subsequently give them no reason to say, oh, no, see, that's what we were afraid of. Right. Oh, oh, no. You know, the guys didn't listen or, you know, it was this or it was that any of those things that had people holding their breath. We couldn't let them be right. And mm. every time I see a woman getting an opportunity like this, you know, I have people who say, hey, you guys, you guys had a part of that. And part of that was that the men in Arizona, and I'm sure you appreciate this, were so proud to mm. be part of history. Yes. Right? They were so excited to create change in in a place where, you know, we know we're still looking at diversity in terms of head coaches. We're still struggling to see how those changes can happen in the National Football League. And so in that place, in that space in time, we had the unique opportunity to literally change football. And it's it's so powerful and it's it was such a positive experience that we see that play out with other women who are working hard, right, to get those opportunities and, you know, continue to create progress. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it's just, it's such a cool feeling. And, you know, I, I think we all in Arizona have just a really special bond mm -hmm. um, from that time that like, you know, people just see, they're like, wow, you guys are still really close. And I'm like, well, yeah, like this was something nobody knew what to expect. There was no precedent. Um, we were excited and we knew it was historic, right? So how could you not, like, as I say, love deeply mm -hmm. everyone who had a role in, you know, creating positive change in football and in society? Wow. Coach, 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 you ready? I need to put the pads back on. You know, I've been doing a couple of workouts, a couple of pull-ups and sit-ups. You know, I think I, I feel like I still have it. Maybe for one or two plays, but you're making me feel like I, I need to, you know, increase that to four or five plays. Right. Well, I mean, and that's, that's that football love, right? Like yeah. we have passion for the game and just, you know, the, the elements that are so special in football that I, I don't see in other sports, right? That diversity is at the core of it being successful, right? Yeah. We talked offline about, you know, how you were a running back and you had a record, but you really put that to the linemen because yeah. they opened the holes for you to get there. 
Most right? definitely. You know, people may not know if they're casually watching football that the that the trenches are where it's it's really won, right? It's that it's one. contact. Yeah. Right? Um, right. Who you have guys who would lay out for you? Yep. To protect you yep. and put be so selfless as to put you in a position to score the touchdown and get the glory. Right. right. Football right. is so unique and special yeah. in that. Um, yeah. And I know that it has made me the person that I am in this world. Yeah. Right? Oh man. All right. So that, that that's really good because that's a great segue into understanding who you are because we didn't get a chance to, to jump into that, but with, with this infectious personality and this inspiration that you're spewing out and this motivation, who is Jen Welter before all of the, all of the, the accolades and the, the historical moments, who are you and where do you start? Where are you from? Like, where'd you grow up? Um, I'm a Florida native, grew up in Vero beach, Florida. Um, which is why the love for football is so, is so strong. Yeah. Um, you know, it really is Friday night lights here, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole town shuts down to go watch high school football. Yeah. The football isn't the NFL. Um, there are obviously college football rivalries, but it really is about high school football. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching those games mm-hmm. and thinking, that the players were real life superheroes. Yeah. Right. Like, and that the lights were the brightest of anything I'd seen. And, you know, they had to put these pads on it and transform. And Mm -hmm. I was fascinated by it. Um, I kind of say it was like, it was like that crush that you have, right. And you always hope that that person will, will catch you back. Right. Like (laughs) that one day they'll notice you. Um, It wasn't (laughs) like I was bitter that girls didn't get to play, but it was like, you know, what is this game that I love not have love for me or for mm. me, right? right? And so I played other sports. Uh, you know, I was a two-year captain on the soccer team and, um, you know, had had a lot of athletic gifts. Always thought that that was somewhere that I was meant to be. Um, went to college, went to Boston College and played rugby there. BC. Um, yeah. And it was the closest I could get to football. Right. Uh, I had never yeah. seen rugby growing up. Um, mm-hmm. When I got to college, I was like, oh, what is this amazingness? Right. Like they tackle and kind of like soccer meets football. Don't really know what the rules are, but it's super dope. And, you know, they don't even wear pads, but they tackle. And I was right. like, right. Like, <laughs> in, all in. Um, right. And I had tremendous coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. Ken Daly, who started the program at BC, was like straight off the boat from mm-hmm. Ireland. And um, wow. our, our coach, Blotto, had played for the USA Eagles. And she picked me out as a prop really early, which is shocking because a prop is like the lineman in football. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was with the biggest of the big at five foot two. Um, <laughs> and really taught me how important leverage is. Right. Uh, there's nobody in this world unless they're like 10 years old that I'm going to probably out big. Yeah. Um, but I had, you know, great technique and really strong legs and I could get underneath, pe- underneath people yeah. and them that way. Right. Funny enough. And when you learn how to tackle with no pads and no helmet, uh, it's really different um, in how you protect your head and all of that. So I learned there was no one I couldn't tackle. Um, mm-hmm. 
and actually got recruited to the under 23 national team um, mm-hmm. until I think they realized how small I w- really was, right? Like this wasn't just a, um, you know, this wasn't a persona. This is really who I was. Um, so I didn't make that team. Um, and I was devastated, mm-hmm. right? Here mm-hmm. I thought, you know, finally I'd found my athletic place and space as this kid who'd always believed that I was destined to be a pro athlete. And I didn't make it right. Like, it's like, I got so close to the U S national team and then it was a no. Right. And I had gotten my undergrad degree in business. Now I back then didn't realize there was actually a business of sports where you could combine the two. So to me, it was like this ultimate divorce. Like I'm never going to be in sports. I'm I'm out. Um, It was the only time I had a real job ever. Um, Wow. I was playing flag football on weekends mm-hmm. and um, a, the general manager of a team called the mass mutiny called and said, do you have any girls who are playing flag that you think could play tackle? Um, full disclosure, having come from rugby, I never really got that whole flag thing. And I think I was always tackling. Um, <laughs> so they were probably really glad to get rid of me. They were probably like, please take her, take her away. <laughs> She's too aggressive. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, and you know the guys would be like, "Oh, Jen's going to play on our team. We're short, right?" Like, you know, and I get tackled by these dudes, and everybody'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" And they're like, "Well, she's running fast, it's yeah. right?" You know how guys are, right? Like, you, you start making them look bad. All rules go out the window. Um, but it definitely gave me the opportunity to try out for this team, and um, I actually went home. And trained with uh, Randy Bethel and my high school football team. Um, they made sure I was ready, um, which, you know, I used to tell them in high school they should let me play because, you know, I was better than some of their people. So it was kind of the ultimate full circle for them right. to let me work out with them and get ready for this tryout. Nice. I also still tell Coach Bethel that no matter what players he has that he trains or come out of his program, he still has to tell everybody his first um, player to go pro was girl. Um, and he loves it. And he does, but I went to that open tryout and I made it and that was it for me. Right. Like I, I this is what I'm meant to do in this world. And as a woman to make that decision, that's a tough one because, you know, I was working in corporate America at that time. And, you know, I remember them thinking like, even getting the, well, we don't really know if we like you playing football because, you know, you might mess up your pretty face. And I remember being like, would you actually say that to a dude? Right? Like, you'd be like, oh, this is so cool. You don't even have to show up for work. But meanwhile, great, I'm going to mess up my pretty face. Like, why is that even a thing? And I not so politically correctly told them where they could take their job. Um, <laughs> shove it up and, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like, oh, pretty face. Pretty face has got to be cool. Right. You, know, you don't have the right one for that. Um, right. <laughs> and, um, had, I mean, had been and had been teaching aerobics since high school. Yeah. So I got certified to personal train and created boot camps and a setting where I could do everything that I needed to do as an athlete who, you know, wanted to be one of the very best, but didn't have the financial setup for that. Right. Like we, we didn't get to be full-time football players. So we had to make sacrifices and 
set up our lives to be able to commit to this game. And so I found myself before like CrossFit was a thing, you know, putting together these agility classes that had me doing like my ladder drills and everything that I needed to do be on point all the time. And I would make myself the rabbit. So they had to chase me and I'll (laughs) get caught. Right. So if it was like, even if I didn't feel like going that hard that day, you know, that competitive spirit kicks in and you're going to go a little harder because it's not just just me, it's me versus everybody in this setting. And so um, I really did look for ways to um, set up my life so that I could be great in football. And, Mm. um, and, and I, I think that that probably was one of the things that, you know, set me apart because I was putting that emphasis on being great in football, yeah. you know, and, and setting up a long-term system of commitment, right? Mm-hmm. There were other people who came into the game who were bigger, faster, stronger, um, but they didn't necessarily last as long because it was hard to be great in football for women. And it still is. Um, and yet I identified as that first. So everything else had to work with it. And it made me very creative about how I was in the space. You know, like I was going to all the charity events that all the football players were. Um, I was coaching at the kids camps, uh, just like the guys were. And they'd be like, oh yeah, we need Jen. Like, you know, Jen's really good with kids or, you know, she's a really good instructor because I was doing that in my other life anyway. And I was really intentional about building bridges and creating a space for myself in a game that didn't necessarily have anything that would be a future. Wow. Um, coach, coach, you paved the way. You I paved mean, the way. Well, and that's why I ended up getting my master's and PhD. Right. right? Like a lot of people think I did that maybe after the NFL or yeah. it, no, like I, I actually, because there was no path for a woman Mm -hmm. um, in the sport, what I thought Prince is, you know, we always see it. You have, you know, you have guys who are great motivators or understand it from that aspect and can take the playing experience and bring it into other areas of life. So we see that lane and then we also see, you know, kind of the, um, you know, mental gurus and those who have, you know, gone through school. And I thought, well, what if we took theory and practice, mm. right? And what if I um, got the theoretical knowledge and the, the expertise in sports psychology and understanding, you know, these worlds that we as athletes are tasked to be in um, and could put that with a package of somebody who had been there, right? Yeah. Athletes, we don't deal well with outsiders. Right, right. right. Work, right? Like I always say, it's, it's not that you can't understand us, but for us, it's like, oh my gosh, the ramp up period to get you into here is long. It's, and so, <laughs> you know, I mean, it is, right. Yeah. And, and so if I could marry those two worlds, mm-hmm. then I could be a unique value proposition to the sport of football. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the goal, right. Wow. And it still is like, where can you take your unique talents, your differences, and put them in a package that has value, right? Uh, like uh-huh. I was studying coach-athlete relationships and uh-huh. both at coach-athlete communications, um, yeah. 
not thinking that I would ever coach, yeah. but became a real expert in what I thought great coaches brought out of players. Yes. That was informed by, you know, maybe being around guys who were in the league who would say, you know, the game doesn't love you or right. here's how they deal with us and, and kind of wondering like, okay, well, just because it is that way, does that mean it's the best way or are there ways in which, you know, we can get better. And then as challenges would come up, maybe like one of the blind spots I realized Prince for myself, after I had my master's Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, one of the performance facilities wanted me to work with their draft guys, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. And I realized I had a blind spot Mm -hmm. because I'd never gone through the combine or Uh, the draft, right? right. From women's, it was different. Though I was a great player, I, I didn't understand how to write a scouting report and what, how all those numbers bore out. So I could maybe tell you like, okay, here are the things we're going to go through. Here's how you're going to be evaluated on a scouting report. Like, let's make sure we have all these things in line. And so I actually ended up taking a course in football scouting and general management. So I'd learn how to evaluate players, how scouting reports were written, um, how that went into building a team from a GM's perspective. And Mm -hmm. I I would tell people, I'm like, I'm not doing this because I want to be a scout or a GM, but I need to understand it well enough so that I can be an ally to, Mm -hmm. you know, to any of the guys that I'm around. Right. It turned out I was the first female they'd ever had take the course. Right. (laughs) who knows how many years ago. And I get a press or a call from Lynn Lashbrook of yeah. sports management worldwide. And he goes, I always told them we'd get a girl. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, okay. <laughs> right. And then I learned what it meant to, you know, have to stand up for your scouting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not even just, could you write it? But when they push back, like, would you stand on a table for the guy? Mm. And I remember my instructor pushing me really hard. And I was like, this, you know, what? And when he finished, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I just, I'd never had a female before. And I needed to know what we always ask, which is, you know, if somebody pushed back on your evaluation, yeah. you know, did you have the chops to, you know, to push back at me and to say, no, this is where the guy belongs. Right. right. And I remember it was Patrick Cobbs who I had written my scouting report on yeah. wrote him because I was in, in Texas at that time mm-hmm. and he was coming out of North Texas and there were people who were just really mad that he hadn't gotten to the combine mm-hmm. and, you know, why was he being overlooked and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, well, this is, this is the person to write it on. And I remember coming up with a seventh round slash free agent pickup mm-hmm. rank. And, and it was very simple to me. Do you know why? Why? Because I could tell what he was going to do before the play started. Mm. When he was getting the ball, he fired, right? This guy, you got the ball in his hands. And I mean, it was money. It wasn't even funny. Like, he's going to do damage. Right. But when he was faking Uh or blocking, and here I was a linebacker at that time, I could see it. Mm. And so I had to say, you know, is this something that could be developed? Possibly. Right. I had to say, like, you know, and this was even hard to come to because I went into it wanting to like the guy. 
Right. I heard how much magic he worked and, and what a great back he was. But me as a defender, being able to look and say, oh, he's not getting the ball. Right. Right. You know, it, it ended up being a lot of the grade was just that. And, mm. you know, I got exposure to parts of the game just being curious right. how I could be someone who was special in this space yeah. and be able to have that broad understanding. Right? right. And it's funny even going into, you know, like when I was coaching for the Atlanta legends and I love the AAF because to me, it was a better, it was a more fulfilling experience than maybe you get in some of the established teams. Right. In an established team, you know, I'm coming in and, and I am just exposed to kind of like a limited bit of data, right? Because right. much is already there. Right. Going into a team starting from scratch. Yeah. Even if your role isn't in all of it, you get to hear all of it. Right. Um, right. And I find myself being very good at, you know, standing up for, you know, the arguments on why a guy should be above or below the line. Mm. And it was because of that experience, right? Something yeah. that, you know, you're part of the I, politics of the game. That's right. right. You're part of the politics. You see how how the pieces move on, on on the chess table. Just like, oh, okay, wow, 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 okay. So we have to make these, these decisions based upon X, Y, and Z, or this evaluation, or this person's psyche. You know, if they have it, or if they have the grit, the grind to 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 make things work and make it happen. So, right. man, that that was awesome. That was awesome. What sacrifice did you have to make? to to get to where you are and when you you mentioned about standing up when there's pushback how much pushback did you have to um uh, do to get to where you are yeah i think the whole path has been um you know a push and pull mm. right and i would say like so i've gotten great support in in some areas right like from the women in football, for example, who would say, you know, we're, we're glad it's you because you represent us, mm, right? So yeah. this unseen army of women where I would say we were the best kept secret in sports. We just didn't want to be a secret anymore, right? And somebody had to be vocal. And so to me, if I was put in those platforms and positions, there wasn't really another option, um, which is risky. And, you know, not everybody wants you to have an opinion or a voice. Yeah. And, you know, there are there are still those who are like, well, is the reason that you're not there because you're outspoken? And I'm like, I, I would hope not, because right. nothing I've ever said has been negative in any way. But I right. always thought, like, if we're not talking about change, we're definitely not going to change. Correct. Right? Um, and so you know, there's a push and pull on that. Like, you know, should you, should you be seen and not heard? Should you be, you know, should you be neutral or is it okay to, you know, embrace, um, you know, like we see now with say the WNBA and all of the things that are going on in activism, activism, is it okay as somebody who's in, in the public spotlight to have opinions and to be an advocate, to be an activist? So. Yeah. You know, I think that that's where some of the pushback comes from, because, mm. you know, um, I, I lovingly tell people, I'm like, there's no one's going to doubt what you get when you get me. Oh, nice. Coach yeah. well said. Can I? Uh, so, yeah. 
as as a player, so from being a player and then being in the executive um, space, what do you think? Um, do, do you think being an activist as as an athlete? Do you think that's that's their right, or do you think that they should? not say too much or just be mindful of the platform that they have and, 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 you know, just play the game and and do their job. Like what's your take on it? I think we're humans first. Mm. Right. And, and the humanity that we have is a part of who we are. And so many of us get lost just trying to, to check a box in life and, and to show up and to grind and go hard but what are we going hard for? <laughs> right? What are we fighting for? And what why should we not embrace the the total self which is the human person, which is the human kind, right? It's like it's like they want us to fundraise or you know, they want us to to show up and um, you know, contribute dollars or contribute this why would our insight or our um, stance in society or our worldview be any less valuable? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be when, it, especially when it's well informed. Now, does that mean everybody should do it if they don't feel that way? No, right. I remember working with one of my players and, you know, so it's a little different because it was on charity, but he was always like, you know, and it was when I was in Arizona, he's like, you know, coach, I love how about things you are. Like nobody doubts where you stand. You're very clear um, and supportive. And he was like, I want to do more. I just, I don't, I don't know what that is. And I said, well, that's okay. And he's like, but I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm not really great with people. And I said, okay, how about puppies? Do you like puppies? And he was like, you know, I love my dogs, coach. And I said, <laughs> you know, so move the needle, not where uh, where somebody said that you have to do this because you're this person. Use the fact that you are that person to help create the world that you want to see, right? Mm, and so yeah. activism or getting active or having opinions or making an impact in society should inherently be different because, you know, we are different, right? right. And, and if somebody just lends their name to every single cause and gets loud all the time, then it kind of becomes like, well, you're just angry, right? Like you, you're just you're just checking a box, right? Sure. But when we have things that are really important, yeah, right, that speak to the core of who we are, right? Would we not use the fact that there is platform and there mm-hmm. is voice and people do want to follow us to help be leaders in that space. Mm-hmm. Right? If you were right. raised by a single mom, you know, advocate for single moms, right. Or help, you know, and I know a lot of guys who do that. Right. And I, you know, and that one is, is particularly powerful to me on like how I've seen guys be great advocates for women, right? Because they were like that for me. And every time they were open to me coaching them, it it made it so clear that like, you know, why, why was it a question as to whether or not these guys would take coaching from a woman? 
most had been coached by women their whole lives, just maybe not on the football field, right? Right, right. But because these women had been such strong influences in their lives and taught them how to treat women, Mm -hmm. that's why they treated me that way. So those become very natural extensions of who you are and how you want the world to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand, like, I, I, I don't understand separating those. Things. Right. 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 That's such a incredible and powerful statement, which leads me to this. You were honored and quoted by president Obama, <laughs> Barry, <laughs> I want to call him by his first name. You by by him, and he said that uh, you were uh, the female pioneer and a role model. Like first and foremost, I, I I know why because just listening to you talk, it's so inspirational and motivating. But for for you to hear something like that, like how did that make you feel? Well the the thing that that really means to me like with the white house and with him mm-hmm. you know back then you know they would call me on different things and i would always say yes okay. and i remember one of the women was like um you know tina chen she said you know jen jen would never say no and i'm like it's kind of like you threw up the bat signal like how do you say no <laughs> right like i i don't i don't get it right i'm i'm thrilled that you even know that i i exist right and what was what was special to me is that it was not just about what I had done in football. It was how I carried myself through the process. Correct. It was the insight that, and the voice that I brought to some of those situations that would catch their attention, right? It it wasn't just being a coach. It was the voice and what that meant for women and being intentional about connecting those dots, right? It was, you know, um, Barack Obama felt moved because he had daughters, right? And I remember when I met him, you know, there were a few people there and to meet him. And I was one of the last ones before he was going to speak, maybe like second to last. And I had watched a lot of people, you know, there were people crying and, you know, all these moments. I couldn't help it. Like, he was like, you know, I'm such a fan of everything that you do. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of think I should have played basketball because then you would have liked me more. And he's laughing, <laughs> right? And and he's so charming. And he was like, coach, you know, kind of like, okay, well, I'll give you that because he's a basketball guy, right? Right, um, right. And he's, um, you know, I'm such a fan of 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 you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, meanwhile, I'm thinking, I'm, it's, it's kind of mutual, right? And, right. you know, we, we have this moment and then we go into the larger room and because I was like second to last, like I couldn't, I was like base, barely like in the door, you know, um, and I'm short, so I can't see really anything. Right. And, and you know, he said, you know, we have, we have Dr. Jen Welter who said, um, you know, what I did, I think it was what I did could open doors for others. And I love everything about that. And I just remember going like, he just Right. Like it, it's it was so surreal. Right. Took my breath away. Wow. It was because of the statement for women and girls, um, not just football. And to me, that's that's what's so important. Right. We pull from sports. We 
you know, we use them at, at, at times where we can escape some of the things in our life, right? And we can see places and spaces where we champion the human spirit, where we break past barriers that, you know, we wish that other, like I always say, I, I wish that um, people could see um, or if, have experienced what I did in terms of, you know, being a woman on a team full of guys and how they rose to the occasion, right? If you think these things aren't possible, I wish you could walk in my shoes because, you know, on any of that, right? Like, especially playing, yeah. you know, as well as I do, I could have yeah. been out at any point, at any point. Right. 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 And yet they rose to the occasion and those guys always say, they're like, man, you made us better men because we never knew that a woman, you know, could do that or would do that. And so, you know, you see sports as this place where, you know, you really do have to be great and where you can work and get better and overcome and come together in situations and spaces that, you know, other places might be struggling with. And I I love where athletics can be for that because it allows people to step out of the grind of their own fight and maybe see it work. Mm -hmm. Right. See, see that race doesn't have to be an issue. In fact, you know, we're like, Oh my gosh, we're more alike than we, than you, you might've seen us as different. And yet, you know, the overcoming might be in common, mm, right? Like right. I've, been, I've been the one of one and in, in those situations constantly, mm. I could have been discriminated against because I didn't check one of the boxes that everybody right. said was what was required for this sport. Right. And I was seen and embraced as different and special. Coach. You know? <laughs> I don't even know to call you coach or call you doctor. Like, which one do we call you? <laughs> it's all of the above. Thankfully, you were not mutually exclusive. <laughs> That's super awesome. Super awesome. So, going back to that to that moment with when President Obama um, mentioned you, and you said it was like a surreal moment. Do you feel that that was? Uh, a moment in your life when you knew that there was something bigger than you or did you have another moment uh, where you felt that something was bigger than you? Oh, there are so many moments where I think that they were absolutely bigger. Um, I remember in that one, you know, I, I've not listened to all the speeches he gives. Right. And right. like, I remember some of the women who worked with him, mm-hmm. um, who were really supportive of me and awesome. Um, they were like, he doesn't do that. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? They're like, he doesn't quote people like that. Only like Gandhi. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, and they're like, and MLK. And now, and now you, and they're like, we'll make sure that we, you do know that this is a big deal. Right. And I was like, well, I mean, he could quote everybody. And it's right. Like I, you can't, I'm not going to untake that, that compliment that he, he said those words, but it, it really hit home because it was like, we have an opportunity to impact society through what we've done in sport. Right. And, 
to me, that's something that I hold really dear. And I challenge myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and my, my, my point when I say like, I don't know if, if I can do it or if I have the courage to stand up or to stand strong or to, you know, stand on the table or to call something out, I kind of, I go back to, well, this is what the first female coach in the NFL should do. And Mm -hmm. I'm not that person. Then it should have been someone else. Wow. Wow. You know, we have something in common because when I was a walk-on at Georgia Tech, I had to become the starting running back from number seven to number one. And I'll never forget, I was saying to myself, like, as a starting running back at Georgia Tech, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I had to depend on my imagination and all of my skills and bring everything together and listen to what my coach was telling me. He was just like, man, like, you were fast. Like rely on your speed. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like I am. He's like, yeah, man. He was like, he, he said, look, you earn this. And so it wasn't until like the third game of the season when we played against Florida State. And you know, Florida State was the the big, the big, big time. You know, they came in, they were the Goliath, and uh Georgia Tech was the the David. But uh the, the night before I had a dream that I was gonna score a touchdown and and instead of me trying to make it happen to try to become the starter running back, it just happened. And it was just one of those things you just allow yourself to have that that spiritual moment, that that moment of faith and believing. And then all of a sudden it, you, you break through and then you realize, like, I'm the starter over here, you know, or I'm the first female. Like, I got this, you know. And so, like, this is me. This is what it looks like. And I am the epitome of that. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we share that moment because that just brought back some um, some nostalgia memories. You know, it's just like, wow, this is awesome. This is amazing. Like, but speaking of football, I want to want to bring it back to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is coming up and I know you're, you're going to be active in Tampa this year. And, and you have I want to talk about you have the Gridiron Girls Club. Uh, the critters fitters. I know you, you you wrote a book about that, but like with 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 the pandemic that's happening right now, and some of the challenges that you're probably facing, uh, what what is it? What what is this new Super Bowl look going to look like this year? But I think this Super Bowl is really tough, and I I like most people don't know yet what that looks like. Um, you know, I am in Florida. I I'm open to being present and however I can support. Um, this will be my first year in three years not having one of my girls' camps at Super Bowl, so I'm I'm pretty bummed about that. Um, yeah. You know, we we did one in Atlanta and it was you know sponsored by Adidas and we got to you know have the girls get the same gear as the guys. Like I don't I don't know if people realize like I I bought every pair of cleats I ever played in in my football career. So to be able to, you know, host events with, with Adidas and, you know, get my coaches some shoes or, or the girls some, it's like, you know, it was like tears in my eyes anytime that happens. And so to not have that this year is, is tough for me. Um, you know, we did two camps last year in 
um, in Miami and then an event with Adidas as well. So we did like three things for the girls last year. Um, but I'm going to be as, as present as I can be or virtually, um, I know the big thing for the girls this year in terms of gridiron girls, we've done 35 camps now across the country. Um, yeah. And we're, we're the first kind of national movement for girls in this area where they really, you know, got the camps, got the training um, and wanted to give them great football experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, as well as I do um, there's so much technique to football and if you haven't been given it, then it's a really hard sport to step into. And girls, I saw so many times that it would be like, oh, even if, say you invited me out to your camp and you said it's co-ed, you had 200 kids, but you might get two to four girls. Right. Right. So we're talking one to 2%. And those girls Mm. are outliers. Right. Right. And yet it's still a hard situation to step into for a lot of girls because if they haven't been socialized the same way, dad didn't take her out in the backyard and, you know, show her the diamonds and show her how to throw. Then Mm -hmm. if you go to a free kids camp, you're essentially behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. And what happens then, you know it as well as I do. Oh, you throw like a girl. Right. A girl. No, you actually don't throw like a girl or a boy. You either throw a football. Oh, you don't. (laughs) Right? Like you either catch it or it hits on the ground. And yes, we can make you catch it a little smoother. But um, I really wanted to take some of that out of the equation so that it could be confidence through football and showing the girls in this sport that we call the final frontier for Mm -hmm. women in sports that Mm -hmm. with good coaching, there's nothing you can't do. So. If you want to do this and you fall in love with it, great. Now you know you know the basics. So if they're playing street ball, you know that you know what you're doing. If right. they're playing in, you know, if they're playing in class, you're gonna have the confidence to step in. Or you see a co-ed camp come up, you know that you have the foundation and that you know you've got enough of the fundamentals that you're gonna feel strong in it. And so um, that's been really close to my heart and, and one of my biggest passion projects. Um, it's actually the cool news from this year that did come out like Gridiron Girls now home base is, is in Canton, um, at the Hall of Fame Village. Um, and we're going to make sure that girls and women are a part of, you know, um, honoring the heroes of the game and looking towards the future. So that's probably the biggest part of that, you know, because Canton is one of the, Pro Football Hall of Fame is one of the only Hall of Fames that's just just men. Right. Uh, and so that's something I'm really committed to because uh, I always say, like, it says the heroes of the game. Yeah. And it's not the NFL heroes. It's mm-hmm. the heroes of football. And mm. there are women and men who are heroes. And yeah. honoring, you know, women in that doesn't doesn't take anything away from the guys. In fact, I I argue it puts the guys in even better light because too many people, you know, have maybe an idea of what a football player is. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that one guy who got called out in the news for doing something bad. And, you know, that's, that's always what we hear more publicized. And yet I've had the experience to be embraced as an outsider. And I think that that shows the very best of, you know, what men can be um, mm-hmm. 
and that they are protectors and they will rise to those occasions. So it makes men and women stronger by having us, us work together. That's um, it. So Balance, that, unity. You know, that's so that's Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. why wouldn't you? Right, right. The best, the best guys that I know are great mm-hmm. to women, right? Those yeah. who don't want women in the equation to right. be those who are insecure. You yeah, know, well, is she going to take my job? Well, exactly, exactly. Right, yeah. like, <laughs> like I didn't even right? come here with that on my mind. Right, it's it's right. that you know you didn't even come there with, with that on your mind, but. Since they have that insecurity within them, they, that's what they project, and so it, now it becomes a a, a a situation where they're inferior, you know, to like anything that you do. So they try to stop you, impede upon your progress, and and say, you know, like no, let's just calm it down a little bit and not allow for you to be all of you. Right. Yeah. And I, I laugh sometimes with some of the guys when they're like, "Well, I can't beat you because then you'll take my job," and I'm like. <laughs> or, or we'll be really good together and exactly. you'll look like the guy who, you know, who mentored this woman, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's the old mentality. That's obsolete now. It's, a, it's about, you know, learning how to cooperate. Uh, so, yeah, Coach, I mean, you are, like, setting the new standard. And with the gridiron, if there's any way I could be of service, please let me know, like, I come in and I give my energy and my heart and my passion for the game. It doesn't matter who I'm coaching, who I'm speaking to. I speak, I speak to and their I spirit. Yes, coach, so I'm there. This is what I tell my guys. Like, the way that we've been able to do these camps is, you know, by partnering up with people in different communities and saying this is what we want to do. And I found it really cool. I was talking to um, – one of the community people with the, uh, the giants the other day. And he was like, coach, would you be open to some of our guys hosting with you and actually applying for the, you know, the football grant money to do this? And I was like, yes. Right? <laughs> what? And he was what? like, well, that's the way that, you know, we could definitely make sure that some of these things are happening. Happening is just really being intentional. And I said, Absolutely. I'm, I'm for it. It's the experience that we want. And it only grows when, you know, we have people with your heart that want to give that to the girls, right? Because right. it changes so much for them to be able to learn from you. And then if they do go back and first of all, I, if, if boys want to come to camps, we don't turn them away. If, right. you are, if you are a boy who is cool enough to want to come to a gridiron girls camp, by the way, we want you. <laughs> But it also fortifies those girls when they go back to school and somebody says, oh, well, it was a girl thing. And you say, uh-uh, I learned right. from friends. And he taught me ball security. Right. <laughs> and then the guys go, oh, well, I would have wanted to do that. And you say, yeah, you would have. Well, get in the game. <laughs> get some tweets, maybe. And start mm-hmm. trying to talk about me and trying to minimize me and my skills. That's like, right. Yeah, so I love that. I love that. I'm there. Coach, I'm there. You know, like, that's – I'm just speaking to those kids. I speak to their spirit. I don't speak to their mind. I don't speak to anything. I speak to their spirit because I know that's going to stick, and it's authentic. And when they hear it, they feel it, and when they feel it, they actually – the action follows that. And and they – they because, you know, it's that, that saying, once that one person believes in you – you know, you feel like you can do anything and you realize, like, I believe in myself so much. They believe in me. Like, let's go. And you step up right. as a leader. 
And, and they and, pull from that strength. And you don't, you know, you don't know what that moment is going to be. Right. But you know when you give, when you give it, that it it could be that moment that infuses somebody's spirit to be able to go one more step. Oof. Right. To get up one more time, to, yeah. you know, to stand up to, you know, some injustice somewhere or to be a champion for someone else. And I always say like, Kids aren't going to remember everything that you say. Right. They will remember how you make them feel. Oh, that's it. That's why you got to speak to their spirit. And speaking okay. of spirit, real quick, do you think that we're spiritual beings having a human experience or human beings having a spiritual experience? Mm. Oh. <sighs> I, I, I hope that we're, I hope that we're spiritual beings. Mm. Um, because. I don't think there's much that's scarier than thinking that everything that happens in our lives is random. Mm, yes. Right. Yes, right. I know when I played with the guys, I mm. knew that there was a chance that I may never get back up again. Right. That, that it could have been a career ending, threatening life changing experience. Right. And yet I also knew it was a, an experience that could change everything. Yeah. And so I, I was willing to do it because I thought that this is, this is the reason why I'm here, right. right? Is to, to, you know, demonstrate that we could be teammates together and take the hits um, from those guys and, and get back up. Right. And I remember, you know, you said you, had a dream about it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, through my whole career, one of the things I learned in getting my master's was, you know, being five foot two, I could never stay on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had to be the first one to get back up. So no matter who I tackled, no matter how big she was, I always wanted to get up first and then get to the huddle. Now I might've been in the huddle like Prince, you better hold me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I wasn't going to let them see it. Right. 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 I'm so conditioned to like pop right back up. Like they didn't right. even touch you pop right back up. Like they yep. didn't even touch you yep. that when I was in that first game against the guys and you know, you're running back. So I can, I can pose this question to you. Um, what is, would you think the last play that you would call if you had a five foot to a hundred and maybe 25 pound running back? A dive play. <laughs> now, now imagine if you ran that dive play three times in a in a row <clears throat> uh, on the goal line. You think that might have been a setup? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> might you know really want to do this? Yeah. And I remember it was like there was a hole there for a split second, and then it was gone. Right? Ooh, yeah. And right. <laughs> hit by two guys at once, and. I remember just like bouncing and then just getting up. Right. And I'm up, like I'm up right away. No pause, no at the bottom of anything. And the whole place was going crazy. Right. Right. And so in my mind, I was like, Oh, the other team's talking shit. Like, (laughs) and I kind of got mad and I was like, is that all you got? And I like screamed it at them. Uh I took their very best. Right, right, right. Two of their biggest dudes. 
And I got right back up like y'all didn't even touch me. Right. And I went up and did it again. And I didn't realize that everybody was cheering because I was not dead. <laughs> <laughs> they were really happy that I was able to get back up. But it was so conditioned in me that you get back up, you get back up, you get back up, that it never... You know, I didn't give myself a moment to say like, oh, my gosh, can I get back up? Right. Like it was automatic. And the next year when I went to coach that same team and you'll love this. So one of the guys comes up to me and he's like, coach, I know you don't know this, but, um, you know, I played on the North Texas Crunch last year. And that was the team we had played in the first game. And I was like, great, cool. And he's like, man, you know, you you really earned all of our respect. And I was like, awesome. And he said, but that, that, that's not actually what I want to tell you. And I was like, okay, what is it? And he's like, you know that first play? And I was like, yeah. And the play went viral. You just, you just get see me get hit by these two guys. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, I was the number one story in the country for this hit. Like, I, I got it. Um, I will never forget that hit. Right? <laughs> and he goes, well, I, I was one of the guys who hit you. On that play, and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. Well, at least I know you could tackle." Right? <laughs> That's a I great comeback. <laughs> right? And he goes, "But coach, that—that's not what I wanted to tell you either." And I was like, "Well, what?" Right now, I'm like, "Okay, split it out." And he goes, "Coach, that—that that was a shot right there. Like that was—that was a kill shot, and I knew it as soon as it happened." And I remember thinking like, oh, and then I was like, oh, oh, it was a girl. And oh, oh, no, oh, no. And he's like, I'm on the ground and I'm I'm looking around, like thinking that you may not have been able to get back up. And then I, I look up and he said, you were already on your feet. And then you said it. And then I started laughing. That's what y'all got. <laughs> and he said, Coach, when you said it, I go, I, I, I don't know. It, is that all I've got? Wow. Coach, you made me question my manhood. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, what's up? You know, but it was so funny because so many times we don't, we don't get the insight of that moment. Yeah. Right. To know to know what that what that response that I had had on him. Right. And to me, like that was the most important hit of my career. Mm. And it wasn't one that I, you know, gained all these yardage. It wasn't, you know, oh, ran over all these people, did all this stuff. You know, I, I was one of the best in the world. I had gold medals. And yet what changed everything was taking the very best hits that they could give, mm-hmm. knowing that it was a setup, right? Knowing that, it, you know, it's a dive up the middle right. um, or as Sterling Sharp called it, was it Jendi left? <laughs> yeah, right? Jendi left, right? We're not even calling it a dive. We're calling it straight up what it is. It's a die up the middle. Um, and knowing that getting back up was the most important thing. Mm. right and lining right back up never saying you can't hit me I'm a girl like nope that's the job description right getting right back up getting right back in and 
you know, showing that and doing it in a way that, you know, he felt compelled to tell me, number one, but also to tell the other guys out there, right? Like she's no joke. And Prince, I have talked to guys in the NFL and they're so funny. Like when, you know, they hear the coach part and I've had some be like, yeah, okay. And they're like, when they find out I was the one who played, they're like, no, see, that's something. <laughs> I had coaches. So that's the thing to me. And I'm like, ouch, okay. Yeah, when, when when people can acknowledge you after a game, when they can talk to you after a game and they say, you got the heart of a lion, like no one can even measure your heart. Like that's, that is the, the, the sign of a true champion, of mm-hmm. a leader, you know, of a warrior. And for you to get knocked down and then get back up, like that's all y'all have? Like I'm coming back for more. What's up? You know, they're like. Find him right back up. Like, oh. <laughs> and then y'all call the same way. <laughs> and then, and you'll laugh at this one. So finally, I think it was like three times in a row, right? Like, and they're keying on me so hard. It's clear to tell, like, that, you know, the defense is doing what I would have done, which is I don't care what happens, the girl doesn't score. They could beat us by 875,000 points. I don't care. Right. Not score. Right. 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 So I finally look at the quarterback, our quarterback, Josh Floyd, and I was like, hey, how about you fake to me? <laughs> right. And bootleg out. Right. So the time, I mean, and I ran the heck out of that fake boy. I, <laughs> look, and you know what makes it really sad? I totally got in the end zone that time. <laughs> I totally got in the end zone. Right. So I'm playing so good and I'm in the end zone. The whole place goes crazy. You know, it's like, because they all thought I scored. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had the ball. Right? Like I, was, <laughs> I had the ball. And then Floyd boots out and he does end up taking it in and scoring. And the whole place boos. Oh. <laughs> because, because they had all thought I scored. <laughs> oh man that, that's what gets you i'm like okay it was my own idea right Let, like let's just fake to me at that time i would have gotten in the end zone right <laughs> exactly sometimes you just gotta be like man just don't even say anything just like they're gonna come back to me again like you gotta look within yourself and be like all right am i willing to to die for this right like, ah, like well we'll see <laughs> Yes, I was, but you know, it was like at that point, like, come on, man, right? <laughs> Let's actually have some smart football, <laughs> right? Like, you know, uh, I, tell, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if I was coaching, do you know what I would have told me? You are little and fast, and you're probably <laughs> never going to touch the ball because the whole defense is going to key on you. So we're going to like drag you across the middle. We're going to do all of this really fancy stuff with you. Right. Um, and then when they start to not pay attention anymore, yeah. they might get the football. But yeah, like, exactly. I was like, that would have been the best decoy on the face <laughs> of the planet, right? Like everything but me would have been open. Yes. Um, Oh, man, that is too funny, Coach. Man, you have been an inspiration, like, more than you know. Like, I'm just so invigorated right now. And when 
Look, after, after this call, we're going to exchange numbers. But Absolutely. if there's anything that you need, you call me. I will be there. I'm showing up. And um, I love what you're doing. Uh, and, I, and I want the whole world to know exactly what you're doing because you are empowering women all over the country, all over, you know, the United States and in other, um, um, uh, other, other continents. So keep being the trailblazer that you are, the pioneer. You are respected by many and loved by everyone. So I want to say that. And then I just want to ask you, what can people find out about you? Yes. So my website is really complex. It's jenwelter.com. So, <laughs> um, then, you know, I, at Twitter, it's at jwelter47, welter47 on Instagram, Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook, welter47 on um, LinkedIn as well. So what about um, Clubhouse? You can't forget Clubhouse, right? Yeah, Clubhouse <laughs> too. Clubhouse too as Coach Jen. Um, oh, nice. You nice. know, but... Um, so appreciate you having me on. So appreciate you using your your platform to put, you know, good people, good energy, good thoughts into the world. Um, I think Thank you. I think one of the things that has really become even more clear to me is that we have to be really intentional um, about where we invest our energy because we need more goodness in the world mm-hmm. we, need, we need more examples of you know people coming together of elevating each other of of how society can be in an aspirational sense not just getting bogged down in in some of the tough examples that we're presented with you know every day and um you know the more we can do it and amplify it and own um, our places and spaces, the more that we will give people the courage to find that in their own. Wow. 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 So what's next? What's next for you? You have it all. Like what's next? Um, you know, I'm really, I, I am fascinated by content and storytelling. Um, I think I really saw that in working with Madden, right. Um, and getting them to have, you know, the first female head coach there, because I think, you know, we can in a, an esports space or in a virtual space or in a, or in a storytelling space, we can have some of the conversations that we need to have in order to give permission to think differently um, in a timeline that's not waiting for the world to catch up um, where I think we can you know, push some of those conversations on what we need and want to see in the world through through maybe a fictional space. Um, so we, you know, so we kind of encourage that thinking, right? Would I have would I have thought a female coach was possible if you know if she was an amazing character in a movie? Research says yes, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and, and we've seen that conversations in society can be advanced through that. So I'm really committed to getting more into storytelling um, and helping positive voices be heard. Um, I I think we need a shift in culture on, on who we're, who we're putting up as those that we want people to see as role models. Um, I, I know that we need to be, better about building those bridges and 
really embracing each other and um, and owning our voices. And I I hope that we're seeing a shift in that way in athletes. I don't think I don't think we'll ever go back, thankfully, to um, shut up and dribble. Um, you know, I think that is dribble personally. Um, you know, you, if you want us, if you want us, then you want us. Right. right? You want us to be something in society. Um, then let us be all that that we can be. And you you won't you won't ex- agree with all of our positions. That's okay. We don't agree with all of yours. But the the voice um, is important, and there's a lot of work to do. And um, we we've got to have those conversations. So I know that that's something that I'm committed to. Um, I I miss coaching every day. Um, I just don't know if it's, if it's now, if the opportunity comes up, I'm, I'm going to take it and you could see me there, but it also has to be, um, in a space where they want all of me. Right. Um, right. you know, I love that about, for example, when Brad Childress hired me on the legends, mm-hmm. he loved the fact that I had a PhD mm-hmm. and he would ask me about that all the time. Whereas I've been in other situations where it was like, well, just stay in the lane and, you know, and I kind of go, well, what is that lane? Cause I, I think if we check the record book, I created it. So, um, <laughs> you know, so um, the next question is always tough, right? Um, when you're the, the hard thing about being first and leading from the front is that no one, at least for me, there was, there was no path and there was no one who was guiding me to say, this is where you should go next or you should, you know, uh, maybe meet with this coach or, you know, take this opportunity or have this conversation. And um, I'm always working to figure it out, but I definitely look at some of the things and I'd be like, Oh, you know, it would have been a lot easier if somebody would have just told me that. So. Right, right, right. No, that's super amazing. Coach, Dr. Jen Welter. I had to, I had to name every single thing. PhD. Um, Any parting words? For our Um, audience. You know, it's it's so easy right now to feel stuck or feel disconnected um, because we've had a lot of things just all of the sudden shut down. Uh And yet. There's always another step. There's always another breath. There's always another door and, you know, there's a reason why they say the devil um, gets most active right before the dawn, Mm. because I believe that it's like the devil knows if you see one ray of sunshine, one glimmer of hope, he's lost you forever. forever. And so keep going. Right. Whatever it is that you really desire. And that doesn't mean that you don't need a day off, but energize yourself, fortify yourself with the people that you're around. Um, Take that one more breath. Take that one more step. Take that one more chance, um, because this this world needs it from all of us. I just dropped my mic for you. <laughs> that was it. That's how you close it out. I mean, you have it here. One of the first and the only 
first female coach in the NFL and Madden. Coach Doc, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your love, for your passion, for your knowledge, your wisdom, all of the above. Like it's so well appreciated and it will never go in vain. Uh just want to let you know that. And if I if I was around you, I want to give you a big hug and just say, let's go, coach. What's good, baby? Right. We got that big hug. <laughs> right. So um thank you so much for your time and uh, and and giving our listeners something amazing to listen to and dropping these jewels on them. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you know someone that can benefit from this episode, please make sure you share this with them. We're here to empower you, to educate you, and to give you the knowledge that these successful individuals have experienced so that you can embody their experiences and stories and apply it to your life and become the best version of yourself. My name is Prince. I'll see you for the next episode. Peace.